You ever look at yourself in the mirror and think, what is that? I mean, you know it's you, but it just seems like it could just as well be anyone else. But it's definitely got to be you, right? Then you see people around you, and it seems like they're so clearly defined, so crisp, so them. It's that can't-see-the-force-through-the-trees thing, right? You're in your own force, just a bunch of fucking trees everywhere. No real shape or definition. But others, it's like you have a bird's-eye view of their forest. That lady with a leather trench coat and absurd high heels holding a Pomeranian in its own leather coat on the train? Why, that's a well-tended forest. Unnaturally well-tended, with perfectly defined borders and barbed wire around the edges and signs alerting potential tourists to keep out and do not feed the Pomeranians every few feet? That pudgy sweating guy in a rumpled suit and mustache covering half his face rushing across the street and holding a bag of donuts, probably all for him, and a coffee that's spilling everywhere. Why, that forest has big tropical clouds hovering and obscuring a lot of trees, but what you can see is a lot of trees getting choked out by vines and falling over as the solid land turns into bogs. But, you know, that's you looking at them. To themselves, just a bunch of fucking trees everywhere. That's part of why death of a loved one hurts. It's part of it. One of the few ways we stop seeing ourselves as just a bunch of fucking trees everywhere is when others tell us what they see when they see us. Someone dies and it's like that one vantage point, that one hot take on who you are is gone forever. And one day, your death will leave someone else a little more poorly defined. I guess what I'm saying is, tend your forest, don't litter, and remember, only you can prevent forest fires. This is Stupid Human Seeds. You really enjoyed the end of it. Yay! Yay. Welcome to Stupid Humans. Stupid Welcome, Sharon. Hi. Um, yes, our guest this week is a very dear friend uh, named Sharon Spell. She's also a comedian. She's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She hosts a podcast herself called The Sharon Spell Show Duh. and is the co-creator of the web series Sad Marriage which I can identify with. I like that. Yeah, a lot of people do. (laughs) And uh, she performs regularly at UCB, has appeared on the Moth main stage, and she also wrote a one-woman show called You're Doing Great about (laughs) coping with the death of her parents. And we are going to talk a lot about that. You can follow her at Sharon Spell or at Sharon Spell Show. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Welcome, for Sharon. Thank you. Um, very excited to have a fellow Southerner um, who is also now a coastal elite. I love show. it. Bubbles. I love it. Bubbles. Yeah. So you just be quiet, and us gals are just going to talk for a little while. Oh, golly. I'll be on the other side of the county line committing crimes you can't stop. Um, um, I I want to start this one because th- we haven't done this in yeah. a couple of weeks. Um, we uh, have a segment called My First Time yeah. where we like oh. to ask our guests if they recall the moment when they understood that death was a thing and that it would happen to them and to everyone, yeah, basically. Some people, it's like a pet, sometimes a relative, or mm-hmm. sometimes it's just some weird abstract that hits them. Or some movie they shouldn't have seen. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going to my grandfather's funerals. Uh, my He kept dying? What? You said funerals. Grandfather's plural. Oh, People oh. have two of them. No. Possessive plural. Stop bragging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just two. Is that bragging? It's not like I had multiple, you know, celestial grandparents. Yeah, what kind of a family? She has 48 grandparents. How did that happen? Mississippi, not Utah. Yeah. So we have our own baggage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the... Uh, my dad's father passed, and I don't remember that. I remember people being sad the Christmas after. 
uh, but it didn't really hit me because his family was so large and I didn't quite understand that absence. Uh, but then when my mom's dad died, Granddaddy Wood, that hit me a little harder, but still like they were, to me, they were old, they were sick and I didn't have a, an active relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm. But I remember at the funeral home saying to uh like a member of First Baptist Church that, oh, and he died with a smile on his face because he's going to be with Jesus. And I was 10. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But he was smiling in the casket and the (laughs) gentleman corrected me very sweetly, just said like, no, dear, they put a smile on their face in the funeral home. Oh, just let you have that. Yeah, that's not right. (laughs) But I thought like he died, you know, I'm going to be with Jesus. Ting. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting, though, because that's something I wanted to ask you about, um, because obviously uh, I grew up very religious as a Southerner. Was religion a big thing in your life as a kid? Oh, yeah. We went to First Baptist Church, a Southern Baptist uh, church and daddy was a deacon and mother taught fourth grade Sunday school. Oh my! So anytime the doors were open, we were there. <laughs> if the spells Ooh. were not there, something was wrong. That so you did exhausting. the Wednesday night services uh-huh. too? Yeah. Gr- okay. GAs so- and uh, dinner and my parents went to the services. What what is specifically what what makes Southern Baptist Southern Baptist? Is it the uh- slavery? Great. <laughs> so it's can... what I found out a long time like, later. They don't introduce that information <laughs> <Right>. up top. <laughs> yeah, it's like they don't tell you about Xenu in Scientology until you get over that bridge. OSA. I'm in too deep. Yeah. I got to get out. How do I get out? It's too late. You we got a family remedy, and friends. Your I, whole social circle. I went to uh, the Church of Christ, um, oh. and I thought, I, I really thought Baptists were these just devil may care um dionysian because here's what happened i went to my friend's baptist church once and everybody got up to go like confess their sort of it was like a weird public confession Uh. where you just go up to the preacher and kind of put your heads together and you'd whisper like what i drank this week or something like that that's and then immediately that's weird yeah Yeah. and but they would immediately be forgiven so i saw like girls i knew were sluts going up there and like being all religious and everything and like oh so this is just your get out of jail free card baptists are the worst they're not real christians but wait we don't do confessional we sit there and grow a tumor about it we we keep it locked down well it's you know how at the end of the service for a lot of uh of these denominations the preacher will be like does anybody need prayer like does anybody need help with something it was sort of like an extension of that that. okay all right um but this is like you got to go up and tell them like and um you know I did this bad thing, and and then your blip, it's gone. You're fine. My dad was that's uh, very Catholic. He, yes. that is very Catholic. My well, dad, I thought that was a cult. You like, really yeah. weren't kidding about just Catholics. me not talking. Yeah. No. Okay. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I'm done. No, talk about your no, dad again. Oh, <laughs> well then, good. <laughs> so, Carol, <laughs> Sean's out of this. I'm away from the mic. Oh, oh so much better. Trump's off. America is great. Let it me really take my is. Shirt off. Push back. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What were you going to say? Sean? It doesn't matter. We care. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you. Uh, it was just because uh, we're, we're talking about churches, and I have some experience with uh, religious people. Uh, my, my dad was never satisfied with any church he went to. Uh, the only one he settled on finally in Virginia was this, like, in the middle of the woods. Like, this guy just had a small cabin 
it was like it was like it was murder country. Like he went out and it was like there was this big wheat field. Like somebody called it God's beard or something. It was oh. it was really creepy and it was just this small congregation of creeps and just sh- like homeschooled shut-ins and that was the only place he settled in because every church he'd go to he tried like he tried Catholic churches he went to a bunch of Pentecostals and born again places and like home worship places and all of them he felt were essentially too liberal <laughs> like until he wound wow. up in the middle of the woods with this ex-navy retired navy guy uh, uh, pastor pastor oh god I can't remember his name but he was a kindly old gentleman with a kindly old wife and they just they'd sit you down my dad would go into the back room and vanish for 15 minutes because that was his excuse to let them try to convert me. And they'd sit there and talk to me about oh. the Bible, and I'd just smile and laugh. Just four of you in the cabin? No, th- like when he'd visit. Like he would go to visit this guy separately in addition to church, and he'd tag me along uh. when I'm visiting on like one of my, I'm here for three days a year, so why don't we go to the middle of the woods oh, and talk that's... to your creepy old ex-Navy <laughs> Uh, pastor who oh, is going to tell me I'm going to hell. But uh, now, aren't you glad you let me share? Yeah, that's yeah. really upsetting. Yeah. Well, that's the sad part of religion. That's the the downside, and that's the the thing. Like, there's a lot of there are a lot of good things about religion, but there's so many bad things. And it's when people get the message wrong, when they get caught up in rules more than love. Because yeah. love is the message. Uh, I disagree. I mean, the Bi- <laughs> look, the love Bible is either the, the Bible or love whatever book. It should be, but like, the, it's it is a rule book. The problem is the people who actually are really good Christians are terrible human beings yes. because they want to stone you to death for taking the name. <laughs> and they think of they're God. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, the Bible that you it know, says that, that, so they are right. Unfortunately, but the Bible says a lot of things. I know. I know. And you've I know. Just chosen what you want to believe, and so you're choosing mm-hmm. right, the but hateful that, part. That's the point. The book is so contradictory; it's irrelevant. And yet, people say like, nah there's a lot of good stuff in there. I know. But if it's the word of God and all of this is in there and it all contradicts itself, God's either a lunatic himself or uh, just go Scientology makes sense now. (laughs) And it gets down to, yeah, what is the truth? What is the truth? Scientology has a lot of good good things in it. You just, you have to take the the right truth. Yeah, I know. Uh, That was a big segue. That was a a tangent rather, not a segue. Uh, well, that, yeah, no, that's so that sort of paints a little bit of a, a yes. picture. Um, I do want to talk about your mom and dad, um, uh, but before we get into what happened later yeah. in life, mm-hmm. uh, what were they like growing up? Uh, I'm the fourth of four kids, so oh. they were, As am yeah. I. Uh, my memories of them, they were tired when I was coming <laughs> up, and I get it now that I'm gr- gracefully maturing. Uh, that I, I'm tired too, and I don't have kids, and I imagine if I did have one. I would, you know, ha- make a lot of play dates with other parents. <laughs> no, Grace, I, I don't know. Grace, can you take him for the day? Thank hey, you. Thanks, Grace. Uh, what were the age differences between the siblings and you? 11, 9, and 5 years. Oh, okay. And also, my parents got married uh, it, in that era later in life. They're in their late 20s. Oh, yeah. So they started having kids in their 30s. So, oh, wow. yeah. so how old were they when they had you? Uh, daddy was 41 and mother was 29. What? How what? is that possible? Trailblazers. <laughs> no, she was 42 when she had me. Wow. Yeah. So Was so your I only memories... had one club foot, so that was not too bad. <laughs> Roll of the dice. Not a joke. <laughs> Did you have Plus a lot of surgery charisma. to fix that like as a baby? 
Yes, and I actually I still have the cast that was on my leg up through like above mm-hmm. my knee from my foot to my knee. Wow! Uh, what, somehow what it, it what like is... popped off in one piece, and my mother saved it, oh. and I found it in the house with my baby stuff. And so, cut to 2015. I have a podiatrist, and I, you know, we're talking about surgery to correct stuff related to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I took it in wrapped in a in a scarf. <laughs> to show him and he walked into the office and I'm presenting this to him and he backed out of the office what is that is that a bird is that a bird I don't want to see it and I'm like what cat hurt you in the past I'm not no it's not a bird you're not supposed to be able to freak your doctor out well I guess he's afraid of birds I don't know but he saw the cast and he was fascinated like Mm -hmm. I thought he would be how big how old were you when you had it off uh I it's uh it's maybe about eight, ten inches. Oh, and yeah, okay. so baby, baby, mm-hmm. baby cast. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's why it was creeping him out because it looks like you're it looks either like a little dead Are you animal. a doll maker? Yeah. <laughs> Are you bringing in a doll cast that you made? And you're I don't believe me to in check? Western medicine, but I'm here <laughs> and I have a good attitude about it. However, <laughs> I have a little porcelain doll and I rub its feet. It's reflexology. It makes sense if you read the books. Read the books, read doctor. The books. Doctor air yeah. quotes. Doctor in air quotes. Did you get your foot degree? It's not a foot degree. Uh, are you even a real doctor? I'm, I am a real doctor. Well, I didn't know until that, uh, yeah, until 2015, that my mother, like, any connection to this, because I didn't know I had a club foot, because mm-hmm. my parents are from the generation of, like, suck it up, you right. know, like, don't talk about your medical problems. They don't exist if you don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. And I rem- as a kid, my mom would say, like, oh, well, your ankle was turned funny when you were born, but now you're fine. What what exactly like turned funny? Can I I've, I know I've heard about club feet. What what, it, what is a club foot? It grows uh, inward. So like if you move your feet outward uh-huh. and then like move. Oh, I see. I it's kind of like bow leg, but the way that the bones grow. Uh-huh. I got you. It's not the Just muscles; it's the bones. It's I think it's both. Okay. I think it's because your foot wants to turn inward and want you want to. It wants to walk on the side of your foot. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um. And so, yeah, I had surgery and, like, corrective shoes. I remember the corrective shoes, uh, but then we didn't make a big deal out of it when I started wearing regular shoes. And cut to, to to, like, 2006, 7, I remember, like, popping something in one of my toes, and (sighs) my doctor said, like, oh, it's a hammer toe. You can get it correct or you can walk on it. And I was like, I guess I'll walk on it. And then I moved to New York and got divorced and didn't have insurance. And I walked on it like that. Oh, my God. Until, thanks, Obama, for real, with a southern accent and not mm-hmm. ironic. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. got. You got it fixed. Yeah, I got Ugh. in the system. And they were able to help it. And my doctor did say, like, I wish you had come in sooner. But I understand that you didn't. And we're going to do the best we can. I was like, fix my meat suit. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> Keisha Zoller's terminology. Like, this is our meat suit that uh-huh. we're born into the and we have to take care of. The stupid human suits. Yeah, right? yeah, we're yeah. I mean, so that was the surgery you were having. Yeah, it I, was a I, corrective thing from years ago. I see. And so when he said you have a club foot, it brought me to tears because it just made me realize, like, my mother was trying to protect me, yet I was ignorant of my own body. Yeah. Right. And she was trying to not m- let me have a stigma mm-hmm. about not being able to walk properly as a kid. Right. But I could, you know, like it, it did get corrected, but I didn't know my medical history because of it. Oh, that's so, in- it's, that is very Southern. And my, <laughs> my dad's youngest sister, Eloise, 
Facebook chatted me and she asked, like, is your foot surgery that's coming out of this 2015, is it related to when you were born? And I said, yeah. And she said, I thought so. When you were born, your mother wouldn't let any of us hold you. She was very protective of you. And she felt like she had done something wrong. And Mother Spell, Daddy's mother, (laughs) just took her aside one day and said, look, if God punished us for our sins to our children, none of mine would have heads. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know that. And so my aunt's Facebook messaging me this, and I'm at work, and I just start weeping because it's, like it touches all sorts of notes and heart. How could it not? Yeah. And then people are like coming up asking for beers, and I'm weeping at work. And <laughs> like one guy, she doesn't saw. work in an office. Just, to, <laughs> like, just to, not. It's not like a weird office. We're like, hey, Sharon, you got those beers? <laughs> yes, right away, Mr. Forbes. Zing. Uh, yeah, he drinks a lot, Mr. Forbes. <laughs> He's What's like middle. Of, hey, it's Saturday somewhere. <laughs> That's not how it works, Mr. Forbes. It's 5 p.m. somewhere is the saying. I don't know. But it's an interesting place to cry because not everybody sees the, uh, the tears at a bar, mm. the, your yeah. bartender's tears. Not everybody sees them. People are in mid-conversation yeah. and they're just like, hey, can I have a red wine? Or Yeah, I got oddly, like just last night bartending, got overwhelmed with emotion because I'm in the process of moving mm-hmm. and I have my my fine jewelry collection mm-hmm. I already have at the new place, a boyfriend's place, which soon to be my place also. Uh, but like my costume jewelry stuff, I did like a smash and grab version of <laughs> that to, to empty the armoire so that mm-hmm. the movers can move it. And then realized like I found one earring on the floor and it was one of my mother's and it was a clip on oh. really well-made costume jewelry of like emeralds and diamonds, mm. but rhinestones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And didn't see the other one. It was like, oh, did it fall in a coat? And I already gave that coat away. Like where, you know, and I found it last night, like in the collection of stuff. And I just got overwhelmed with like putting the collection back together. And these are just things. These are not my parents. They mm-hmm. don't represent their love. But I felt that connection to them and still communicating yeah. with them. Yeah. And people are still coming up and asking for drinks. <laughs> and I'm choked up and like not talking to them and not able to respond. <laughs> and they don't know and no. they don't care. Well, they and, just want their drinks and to go see a comedy. And it's show. too much to come. It's too much to, to, <laughs> to explain. Like, I found the share. earring. I yeah. found the Okay. Uh, how much is that? Five dollars. Okay. Thank you. Here's five dollar tip. Thank you. Okay. I wish. <laughs> how great would that be? Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, what do you? What can I All get the time. you? Oh, All the time. So sad. Yeah. But it just hit me out of nowhere because it was a perfectly fine night, and yeah. I kept thinking, like, I'll find it. It'll turn up. If it doesn't, I have other things that were my mother's, and you know, I have a lot of dishes mm-hmm. that were hers that I'm moving, and then I found it, and it was just. It just hit me. Yeah. And it, that's what happens with grief is it hits you in weird moments that you can't anticipate. Uh, but you were asking me before about my relationship with my parents and what they were like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were always old to me, but it wasn't until I was like grown that we were able to relate to each other because mm-hmm. I was too different and too weird. You're so much younger, just (laughs) three or four generations separated. I mean, yeah, almost, but uh, they they were also having a rough patch in their marriage when I was coming up, so Uh they weren't talking to each other, and as as a, like, what do you call, like, part of the fallout of that is weren't talking to me. 
That's and so daddy would be outside with the tractors and mother would be in the bedroom uh, watching TV or tractors. doing something. Watching Tra- tractors, watching on, tractors TV. on TV. <laughs> like, guys, can't you meet in the middle and like in the kitchen and play yeah. tractors? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was toys? out playing with my tractors. So did, do you think they knew your siblings a little bit better and your siblings knew them a little bit better? I feel that way, but mm-hmm. also they feel like I was spoiled and uh-huh. that I got the best of everything because – well, to me, they got more of my parents' emotional availability, mm-hmm. and to them, like, I got more of the financial accessibility, uh-huh. because, like, new parents don't have money. Right. Just just across the board. <laughs> it, when <laughs> You just don't. But then they learned how to manage and budget better, so by the time I came along, like... My sister doesn't still doesn't let me forget. Like you got a brand new piano, I had to practice on a used church one that was never in tune. <laughs> Sorry. And also, I hated that piano. I hated it. I wanted to stop taking lessons, and my mother made me take it through twelfth grade. We bought wow. you this piano. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna learn to play. I hated it. I'm a sousaphone person. <laughs> and when I didn't I'm have to take lessons anymore, I did not play at all ever. Yeah, yeah I did that too. I I basically just. I took lessons from like five years old to uh, I don't know, 14 or 15 and then just stopped and never touched it again. And I say never again. I was in a band. so I. But that's more like chords and yeah. ensemble the stuff. Piano so I always c- seemed like magic to me because it's such a complicated. <laughs> like I, I grew up playing the trumpet. It's three buttons. That's it. I was like, and that was, it was hard. I, I still. I don't understand gonna. how that thing makes notes with only three buttons well, it's, it's all about the pressure applied to the lips it's it's pretty complicated so wait we have two keyboards and a trumpet i think we got a band yeah. oh yeah two keyboards and a trumpet how about you we're like ben Do folds you play anything? i played the xylophone xylophone oh, bam, bam, this bam, is gonna bam, be the best bam, band bam. ever <laughs> <laughs> well we need percussion I mean, well, yeah. I mean, piano is percussion also. Well, this but, a, 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 like, piano heavy band, I mean, we could be like a Ben Folds cover band. Right? <laughs> ben, 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 ben Folded. Or Ben, ben Folded. Ben Folded. Yeah. Ben Folded. <laughs> what? Guys, we're Ben Folded. Bent. We're going to be singing uh, Army next, so feel free to grab uh, beers with our sad bartender, who's also on the piano. So when, how old were you when you felt like you really started to relate to your parents and, and them to you um i was in my 30s wow uh well and my marriage was falling apart and when i finally how long have you been married i have total eight years okay on paper 10 yeah but the we called it at eight um and when i told my folks that ex-husband and i were separating it felt like my equivalent of coming out of the closet. Uh-huh. I don't know what that's like mm-hmm. for other people, but for me, I had held a secret that I was in a good marriage uh-huh. and kept that cover going. Mm-hmm. And once I started speaking that truth of like, no, it was not a good marriage. And he was a rat bastard and not sweet to me. Mm-hmm. He could be sweet, but he was not across the board. And started telling them the stuff that went on during those years is when we started to really communicate. It sounds like sometimes, you know, parents want you to have had some roughness and some tragedy in your life. Yeah. Uh, they don't tell you that, but I think that's when I, I, my friends who are on good terms with their parents as getting to know them later in life, something has happened or mm-hmm. like they've gone through a shitty marriage mm-hmm. uh, or they've lost something big or there was a big job that just fell through and they were nearly homeless for a long patch like that was what gave them the grist to 
uh, to to get to know mom and dad on their terms and his or her terms equally. Yeah, now that you say it, like I had not exactly the same, but a similar situation. Um, the the guy that I moved to New York with was my boyfriend from college, and he was a monster, and I too had concealed everything about it. And um, moving to New York really it just changed me. I, I, yeah. I started seeing happy people who had good jobs and could uh, respect themselves, yeah. oddly enough. Yeah. And I, I realized like, oh, I, I don't actually have to live like this. So I was here maybe four or five months and uh, just got up one morning. I went to Dunkin' Donuts to get us donuts for breakfast. Donuts. I came back, I sat down, I said, um, I'm packing a bag and leaving. And I went to my office and uh, called my mom and I was like, I'm going to be fine. You don't, she had actually just come up to visit, she and my sister. So oh, they, wow. like, it, it was a week after they left. And that too was a little bit of it. Like, I, I felt like I couldn't share my home with them um, because mm. of the situation I was in. So, um, yeah. Like, at nine, 10 in the morning, I call her and I told her that I left him. Uh, and she, she knew things weren't right, but she didn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, and I said, but I'm going to be fine. I'll, you know, I can, I'll find an apartment and, uh, you know, I've got, my job I'll get get a hotel room or something and by 11 p.m. that night I just called her in tears like I can't do this I don't know how I'm gonna go to work and find an apartment and blah 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 and she was there by 9 a.m. the next morning mm, that's and awesome. on that visit when she helped me find an apartment I've never seen my mom in that light ever because she was like not with my dad she yeah. wasn't with any of the other kids and she like figured out the subways like she just like got new york she conan, immediately right? she went to conan by herself because i couldn't get out of work in time and wow. comes back and she's like i danced with conan and he because he <laughs> they were warming people up and so. he was like he saw her dancing and she was one of the only people actually dancing and he ran up and was like you have to dance with me and she's great. and so it was like out of this horrible thing that i'd been hiding for so long yeah. came this nice moment where I actually felt like my mom and I got to see each other for the first time yeah um and it's never been quite like that since but I'm glad that I had that it's interesting to hear you had a similar situation yeah and how old were they when how old were they when uh, you were when you were getting divorced and then how old were they when they passed if we can ask you that uh I would say like 70s Mm and then when they passed, Daddy was eighty, and Mother's still twenty nine. <laughs> uh, I think your mom might have been a Highlander. Have you thought of that? So. Um, well, yes. Can we get into that a, a little bit? Like, uh, how did they die? I know they died very close to each other. Yeah, uh, they had been ill for a while with different uh, ailments. Daddy had Parkinson's that was undiagnosed for a long time because he didn't go to the doctor. Uh, He had a distinct tremor down the right side of his body, and it looked like Parkinson's. And for and he years, was just like walk it off. Uh huh. <laughs> I can. He could still walk. So you know, oh, walk it off. And mother had diabetes since the eighties, but we oh. didn't know this until like the late aughts. What? She didn't tell anybody. Wow. She managed it. Uh-huh. Secrets, man. Secrets. Yeah. You're literally as sick as your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> That's cuckoo. Um, and because, like I said before, they were tired when I was growing up. Like, I always associated them with being old and tired. Mm-hmm. 
But then I'd come home from New York and they'd perk up like, oh, Sharon's home. And they'd act a little healthier than they were. And Mm -hmm. our family friend Patricia would tell me that and siblings would tell me that. But I only really knew and experienced what I did. Yeah. And so I knew logically they were sick, but I saw and felt them trying and rallying and you know, overcoming. When you visited, was it usually just you or were, would your siblings come over and you'd get to see them? What I did, well, for like Christmases, I would go down for two weeks and I'd get there way early yeah. to put the tree up and nice. have stuff ready to go so that they didn't have to. Like yeah. a few times I went with daddy to get the tree and then the last Christmas I went by myself and the the tree farmer saw the name of the tree I was getting and he looked at me and I said, no, he's fine. He's fine. Oh. You know, <laughs> uh, but so we had a little alone time. And then my siblings each have spouses and kids yeah. and everybody would sleep, you know, in the house, the five bedroom house. But we'd make it work. And um, and then they'd leave and I'd still be there and then I'd leave. So, gotcha. yeah. And when they was it. Were they in the hospital when they passed, each of them? No, they were each in their hospice room, which was my childhood bedroom. Hmm. Thanks, siblings. <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you. <laughs> that was actually the best place to put the hospice bed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew that, but I was also like, all right, oh. these are all my memories now. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> right. is not a happy room anymore. Oh. Uh, but... Yeah, they when they when death was imminent, it didn't linger, and that's the blessing from this. Like, cut. Were, were they lucid? I mean, N- no. Okay. So, Daddy was lucid. They were both that last Christmas, two thousand ten. They were both who they were. Mm-hmm. They were their bodies were making them weaker, and but they were still mentally there. You could look into their eyes and see that they were yeah, and have conversations great. and yeah. Uh, by April, my oldest brother started telling me, like, Daddy's not doing well. And Daddy had been taking care of them, even with his advanced Parkinson's. Like, what? he was pretty much aerodynamic in his walking. Like, his posture was oh. stooped. But he could get in the truck in that Ford F-150. It almost drove itself, you know. And he could get up there and drive fine. It was the walking uh-huh. that was a problem. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Ford F-150. <laughs> if you ailing Parkinson's-riddled... <laughs> Father. Well, he picked me up from the airport in 2010. Oh, wow. At Pine Belt Regional Airport, (laughs) gate one, because there's one gate and that's its number. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable that they gave it a number. (laughs) What should we call this? One. Yeah. One. Gate gate number to be determined later. I mean, it's hopeful, isn't it? It is. It's hopeful. Anticipating a a two. One day, kid, you'll get more. We got a two this year. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody does that. Everybody does that in the South. I got in the truck with them thinking, like, today is a good day to die. You know, and if something oh. happens, like I'll be, we'll be together. You'll be with mm-hmm. Dad, and they'll we'll make it work. And he, but he was fine. Yeah, he was That's he was amazing. still a good driver. But by April, Scott told me that uh, like Daddy was getting turned around in the house, and oh. he a uh, uh, neighbor lady found him on her porch, oh, and goodness. she had gotten home from grocery store or something, and. She said, hey, Mr. Joe, how you doing? And he just said, I don't know where I am. Oh. And she drove him back to the house, like, five doors down. 
And so the next time Scott was home, he hid Daddy's truck keys from him in plain sight, just on the owl next to the rotary phone in the kitchen. You know where that <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. where that is. Oh, we all had that. So, but because he was stooped over, he couldn't see the keys. Oh, buddy. So they were right there. <laughs> Like a foot above his head. <laughs> Didn't hide them from you. Letter of but the law. They were just right there. Yeah. He just put them where he couldn't reach them. Uh, and and then, so Scott arranged actually for caregivers to come in. Mm-hmm. And we there's a really great team. I forget what the company's name is, but uh, they're not nurses. They're sitters. Uh-huh. So they can it, they can give medication, but they can't. Do like, the bedpan cleaning stuff. Well, no, they do that. Oh. They do that. But they... There's like things they can and can't do, but it's enough so that, you know, somebody's there to call 911 or yeah. somebody's there right. to help. And were they there when we actually all were? Oh, and see, I was going to ask, were you there for both of them? Yeah, oh my god. And here's the thing it's a blessing, I it's something that I cherish, and I think of it like they were there for my birth, mm-hmm. yeah. And they got to experience that. Yeah. And I got to be there for the end of their lives. And I saw it, and it hurts, but it was peaceful, and it was dignified. And not everybody gets that. Yeah. Not everybody gets the chance to say goodbye in person. Not everybody gets the chance to know why their loved one died or to know where they mm-hmm. are. Like the church shooting last year in yeah. North Carolina, that like that sort of thing mm-hmm. hurts me and I don't know those people but it yeah. hurts me because their loved ones are left with why how because all they did was go to church no yeah. closure yeah they just went out the door and never came back and so when I told when I tell you which I will tell you a story if you want to hear it of yeah. going home t- for my parents passings I feel like I'm bragging <laughs> that makes sense because I yeah. have such beautiful closure with it yeah and that in the better days is comforting because mm-hmm. I know how they died. I know there. where they died. I know where they're buried. Where, where, what was the last, I mean, not to get grim or gruesome, but like the specific moment when there is nothing left in a stupid human suit. Like when were you holding a hand? Was there a, a heart monitor that just went boom? <laughs> like, was it classic that or was it just you woke up and the next day they were The gone? doctors all shushed us out of the room. Yeah. Now. Uh, I was in denial about it up until the moment Daddy stopped breathing mm-hmm. because he had never not breathed before. Yeah. I'd only ever seen him breathing. He was on a so good run with breathing. All day, every day. Like breathing. consistent breathing. Yeah. You could hear it throughout the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, Say what you want about the man, but he breathes. A lot. Yeah. So the Sunday before I went down, it was the last Sunday in July, mother fell into a coma and her blood glucose dropped too low and the caregiver there that day Renee couldn't wake her up mm. and felt responsible for it and we each of us kids just said like that's what she loved doing she loved napping she wanted to nap instead of eat lunch you know <laughs> and that's that's Ruspel that's what she, that was her brand right then that's what she did there's nothing unusual about it so mm-hmm. there's no reason for her to feel like that time would have been anything different but it was yeah uh, they were able to revive her but there was brain damage and they were going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning, daddy had a seizure and Scott was already back. He lives in Birmingham and he was, Scott was down in Hattiesburg and the seizure, uh, they did an MRI at the hospital after that. And that 
brain scan revealed five tumors and 10 other masses what that had gone untreated because it was being it was diagnosed as parkinson's related dementia oh. and that's how he was getting turned around in the house and why he didn't know where he was in our neighborhood and because of his other ailments the doctor recommended that daddy come home for hospice mm-hmm. and Scott told me this, and I knew what hospice meant, but I thought in this case, mm. it had a different connotation. It meant like hospital at home, like a, a day yeah. spa for sick people at home. Like daddy was going to get his nails done. Yeah. He was going to get pampering. Yeah. Put yeah. your face in the little cushy donut <laughs> while somebody's Just going. Like to- to take care of him indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a cruise at home. And I'm not thinking things through exactly. And I kept asking Scott if I should come home. Right. Mother's in a coma. Daddy's coming home for hospice. Should I come home? Yeah. <laughs> what was he like? Yeah. No. Or was he, he was very sweet about it. He just said, "Come home and see your parents." Oh. And Is I he's did. your older brother, the, the oldest. oldest. So he's yeah. he's sort of in charge, basically. Yes. Okay. Yes, and uh, I got home that Thursday morning. I booked that flight. Uh, I had a show Wednesday night, and I did it. And <laughs> you know how it is. It's yeah. like, especially if you're in denial about what's happening. I thought, like, I'm just going to fly home to Hattiesburg and see, you know, mother in a coma and kiss daddy's forehead and have drinks with friends and hang out with my siblings and then come back to New York on Monday morning because I'm on hold for an audition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't want to miss Yeah. Got to book that Ritz commercial. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, again, they had been sick a long time and they had gotten better and sick again and better. And so that just, that's the normal. This podcast is brought to you by Ritz Crackers. (laughs) Sorry. So uh, I got down there on Thursday morning and Daddy was still talking, but he was time traveling in his brain, different eras. Did Uh he know who you were? I don't know that he did. And I didn't ask because I didn't want to pull him into the present too much mm-hmm. because when I saw him I could see like he needs to stay down yeah. because he had a DNR do not resuscitate order mm-hmm. and so I s- sat there and talked with him and it looked like he looked like daddy but he didn't because it was the end he mm-hmm. was frail and but he was still trying to get up. He was still trying to work. And some of the church ladies had come by and we brought you some fresh turnips, Mr. Joe, so you'll feel all better. (laughs) And daddy called after them. And I said, do you need me to go get them for you, daddy? And he said, no, I need my friends to come here and help me pull up these turnips. (laughs) Buddy. (laughs) I just sat with him and said, oh, daddy, the harvest is all in and all the turnips are up. We had a good yield and there's plenty to eat. We don't have any more work to do. It's time to rest. It's time to rest. You can rest now. And he said, well, I guess I'll just turn around and go on back to the house then. <laughs> and then he lifted his hand like he was catching something. And I was like, he's not going to rest. He's just going to keep working <laughs> in whatever he's doing. Because like, he asked Stephen to help him with the potatoes. He asked <laughs> Scott to help him with the Chicago <laughs> pneumatic jumped. engine that he was repairing. What? Like He asked my sister about the batteries in the refrigerator. And one of the caregivers was in there when he asked about that. And she rolled her eyes like, batteries in the refrigerator. She, Suzanne said, no, in the little house out back, there are batteries in the refrigerator because it keeps them fresher longer. It makes them last longer. And there we had like light bulbs and yeah. like storage. Uh-huh. I, I love that, you know, 
you would like to imagine that one of the the nice parts of dementia is you can kind of go anywhere and think you're doing anything and his is I've still got shit I have yes, to do yes take care of my mm-hmm. family and my community and make sure that things are in mm-hmm. good order and that's how he lived his life and I think about like all the garbage that I've watched and participated in my <laughs> adult life and what tour I'm going to give people when it's yeah. my time to give a, you know, a time traveling tour of my yeah. life of uh, all the dick jokes and basements I've listened to. Uh, <laughs> I have time. to pour another beer. <laughs> no, all the, it's okay, Sharon. All the beers have the been poured. The beast. <laughs> no, it's all been counted. That venue's been closed for 50 years, Sharon. Dun, dun. Oh, if yeah. I should live that long really <laughs> I know. Nice. Uh, it's not bad actually that's, really that's nice. pretty good all right oh america <laughs> oh so, my god and then it was time to visit mother in the coma in the hospital uh and so we go there and it's just it's odd because like all of a sudden it's obvious like it's just the four kids and all four of us are home at this mm-hmm. point and there's nobody in the room, just you guys. Yeah. And well, we get to the hospital and my sister said we'd stop taking the elevator ages ago. We just take the stairs ages like days ago. Yeah. Uh, but we just take the stairs now. And my brother Scott said like, yeah, we're making this up as we go along. None of us has been in this situation before. <laughs> and I blurted, you're doing great. <laughs> and they all laughed because it, it was a lie. Yeah. And we're, none of us was doing great. But that laughter solidified us as being on the same page with our fear and concern. Yeah. and You're going through this all together. Exactly. It bonds you. And so the next morning, uh, you can hear Daddy breathing throughout the house, and Stephen had wanted to get him an oxygen tank, and the nurse reminded him, like, no, it's DNR. And so we put a fan in the room with him because the last thing Daddy asked for was air because he couldn't get enough air in his lungs. And he was struggling to breathe, and... I walked down the stairs. It was like nine in the morning, and Stephen was crying with Renee. And I asked, "What's happening?" <laughs> like, like, like I hadn't been there for <laughs> any of the. What's happening? Uh, spoiler alert! And Renee said, "He's going, going, and say goodbye." Oh. And I did, and nobody else was in the room. It's just Daddy and me, and I could see his eyes. I could oh. see, I could see it was time. And I just, I didn't want to touch his hand. I didn't want to pull him into that moment. And I just stood next to the bed. I said, I love you, Daddy. And he stopped breathing. And I thought I did something because I thought that I did something like wrong, even though I knew like, this is it, this is happening. But like, it was odd. And I called for Renee and the tone of my voice was like a wounded animal. I remember it. I can't imitate it. Because I didn't know why nobody was in the room. Yeah. Because if they knew he was going, this is it. And wh- where is everyone? Yeah. Why am I the only one in here making him die? And then Renee came in and she said, yeah. And she called everybody in. And it seemed like the preacher got there in no time <laughs> to pray with us. And we were all four kids home with daddy that morning. And it was so beautiful and like just kind of wrapped in a ribbon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're and right. this is why I feel like I'm bragging. Yeah, no, I, I, I <laughs> because also saying. our mother was in a coma in the hospital and had no idea. So I don't know what it's like to grieve with a parent. Oh, right. Because wow. I didn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. People feel sorry for me because I have no shoes. I feel sorry for the kids who have no feet, you know, like, I, yeah. or I have no feet. I'm, yeah. You know yeah. the analogy. Yes. I, mean. yeah. I have no feet, but like, I never, like, this podcast is brought to I don't you know by what shoes are. Payless shoes. <laughs> 
so that so that was your dad and then when did mom go 18 days later she so, was a Taurus. They don't die. <laughs> they don't die easily. Okay. They're very stubborn. <laughs> a lot of good stuff about the horoscopes, by the way. It's just the They're people very... who misuse the message. <laughs> Call back from the beginning, everybody. This has been incredible. We're a fun podcast, was, aren't we? Oh, I went to this astrology meeting out in the woods. God's beard. <laughs> <laughs> so did you... Um, did she ever wake up? No. Okay. So your dad passes away. You... you guys did you have a funeral like just a few days later the next week the next week and we had to figure out what to do for it and like what hymns to sing at the church but daddy had put uh some plans in motion he had already bought coffins for both of them and made arrangements with the funeral home and really all we had to do was get flowers and show up Uh like tell people get flowers show up write the obituary that sort of stuff but not any like planning planning did he have a will already daddy he hand wrote a will but mother wouldn't let him finish it (laughs) because of her peculiar state of denial about being mortal oh my god (laughs) being a vampire yeah Uh, but she wouldn't let him finish it and that's a whole other chapter in the book (laughs) of like my mother's control issues like she loved Stephen delivered the part of the eulogies for each funeral and he said it so beautifully with our mother Ruth loved to instruct (laughs) (laughs) yeah what a great euphemism that's awesome Uh, so did you did you go back home to New York after your I dad's did, funeral? I did, because she was in a coma. Yeah, you don't There's know what's going to do. happen. Yeah, and I was here, and I, I went to that callback for the audition. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they let me wait a few weeks and come back. <laughs> and the entertainment business isn't terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was for a reality show, and it didn't end up becoming a show. So it was Bike Girls. So <laughs> I think there's still a, a like women in New York City who ride bicycles reality show i can't believe uh, that didn't get yeah made. that's I know. bizarre that there isn't a market for that <laughs> i don't know 25 to 40 on bikes that's our demo everybody i mean yeah i had a bike you had yeah. a bike and you're a lady well uh but then i was on that bike going to the callback and it was in dumbo so riding from astoria to dumbo and scott called and i pulled over at that uh east river park in williamsburg and mm-hmm. just sat at one of the picnic tables and watched the water and Scott just said like yeah there's no improvement and there were a lot of silent spaces in between and he just basically said come back home and I did and it was like the same thing all over again we just did all of this and Stephen didn't come home right I mean he said I don't need to watch her die too (laughs) and and there's nothing to watch like at least with daddy we could interact with him Mm -hmm. But with mother, Just she, yeah. yeah, and like Scott and Suzanne met me at the airport this time before Scott and Stephen met me at the airport, and like, but this time instead of going right to the house, we stopped and got dinner, and then went to the house, and the caregiver was there, and at about two a.m. she said like y'all just go to sleep, and at four a.m. she knocked on my bedroom door. I was sleeping in the room next to the hospice room, and she said she's passed. And I made her repeat it twice mm-hmm. to make sure, because I slept two hours. I want to make yeah. sure that I wasn't dreaming. Yeah. yeah. I sat up in the bed, and she said it the third time. I said, okay. And I got Scott and Suzanne from upstairs and put on a pot of coffee, because you don't go back to sleep after that. No. You know, it was four in the morning. No. And mother's dead. Okay. 
I'll deal with this when the sun's up. 20 more minutes. (laughs) And I thought, like, with Daddy, he was more personable and outgoing. And for us to all be there when he passed seemed appropriate and, like, what he wanted. And Mother was very private. And I feel like she waited for us to go to bed. So she could yeah. have a moment. <laughs> Can I just get a moment? Can I just peace? please? <laughs> and then, like, we went through the motions again, knew like where to get the flowers, and chose the same hymns because they were perfectly fine. You know, mm-hmm. victory in Jesus, and uh, it is well with my soul. And oh, that was a good know, one. Yeah, classics. And uh, you don't know these. I don't know those. We just had, uh, you're going to burn forever, that's Jesus. A, yeah. I don't feel like that's a song. Yeah, that's we sang that all the time. Did you? <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Maybe it's a naval song. Did um, it? Um, I wanted to ask about this because you had two funerals basically back to back. Like, what did it feel like by the, the second one? Like, hey, we all know what we're doing now. Or like, <laughs> like a, a, a little bit, and it also felt numb. Yeah, it felt more like a dream and I I still get choked up thinking about daddy's death and with mothers I don't because it was more of a slow boil so to speak it was like in inches because mm-hmm. daddy was active up yeah. until he couldn't be active anymore he was trying to work from that hospice bed he was trying to get up and mother diabetes is a silent killer mm-hmm. like just little by little over the years it takes so much from you that you don't see it right away and so her being tired all the time was a result of that yeah and so my grief for her is different than my grief for my daddy because it was more of a shock when he died and when she died it was expected and it had lingered a little bit would you say he's like one is like a clean break and the other sort of uh like how would you describe the, the grief for each like i've could talk to daddy better more than I can talk to my mother like we had better conversations and so in that way I miss him and I will find myself just saying daddy 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 some days when I'm upset Mm -hmm. because I miss him and with my mother like the earring story from last night you know like that is my connection with her putting a connection together because she like they were very well matched for each other but they were very different Mm. yeah and my grief for my mother, I feel like, is a longer yarn to unravel. Yeah. Like it's a it's a whole different animal. But and that's true with each person that you grieve. Yeah. No matter who they are, like you grieve for each person differently for the relationship. And I only in the last year put the words together like they were my person. Cause I not only lost my parents, I lost my person. Yeah. Like my, my partner in life. They were my they were that because my ex husband was not and subsequent boyfriends were not my partner, but they were my partners and my parents. And then they were just gone. (laughs) And I came back to New York and it was, and this sounds dramatic, but it was my personal 9-11. My Twin Mm -hmm. Towers fell. Yeah. Yeah. And I came back to New York and everything was normal for everyone else. And I couldn't communicate it because I had no words for it yet. And I couldn't be mad at people for not understanding because they didn't, there's no way to know. I didn't know until I knew. Yeah. And I couldn't blame anyone. I mean, what are you going to do? Like have a podcast with everybody and like (laughs) give them the whole download. It's impossible. (laughs) Yeah. Like wear just a giant button that said, my parents have died. Don't be a dick right now. Or like, 
in, in comedy, that's an invitation to be a dick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> I thought about that. I thought about wearing all black, but it's New York. Yeah. You know. Oh, look at that uh, artist. What are you grieving? But yeah. I'll tell you, uh, Hospice of New York has a wonderful bereavement group counseling oh, really? session. It's free, and it's every other week. You can check their website, Google it. Um, my parents did not die in the New York hospice system, but it does not matter. Oh. But I, I got to that. sit in a room twice a month with other people who are going through what I was going through. And honestly, it took me a year before I was even able to make the phone call because it, I couldn't get the words out. Yeah. And once I did it and started going, even if I went and didn't talk, just hearing other people say the words that I was feeling, mm-hmm. describing what I was feeling, comforted me that I'm not alone because like, you know, it's like being newly single in a room full of people who've never been through a breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Because they just don't know. Yeah. You don't know until you know. Well, it's like you were saying, you come back to New York and everybody's just going about their business. It's the opposite of that. Finally, you're with people who aren't just going about their business. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Um, That's it. That's, we'll uh, put info about that on the site actually because yeah. I had no idea that that existed and yeah, it's and great it's not to know. far from the creek it's, oh oh if you're in the Long creek, Island City yeah. if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast you probably need it um, we have a Sharon, lot of dark topics thank you so much yeah. for talking about this and yeah uh, it's such a it's such I a I don't murky... mind at all like if people see me and they want to talk about it I don't mind at all I might cry mm-hmm. I might laugh I mean we all might and it's fine it's okay I'm uh I'm this podcast is helping me get more comfortable with other people crying and <laughs> less less ashamed to cry myself and I think that is a good thing. I do too. Yeah. We have emotions, we're feeling sentient beings, we should express them. It doesn't mean we're broken mm-hmm. or bad or weak. Yeah. I laugh easily, I cry easily. Like yeah, I learned how to cry down so my makeup doesn't smear. I'm really oh, good at it. Oh, that's a good tip. A yeah, <laughs> cry down it at an angle so the uh-huh. tears just kind of fall forward like you're eating over the sink. I do. I just do <laughs> mascara on the top me lashes. Me too, me too, me too. Yes. But don't get into that bottom lash no. business. You, you'll be street. I yeah. can um, lift a 150 now. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't cry. I don't cry at all. I'm pretty awesome. Um, well, let's <laughs> shove all those tears what? down to the underneath our feet and yeah, not think about them right. every day. but let's end let's end on um uh, our secular uh, prayer well I, i'd like to do don't worry about it real quick i think that'll be a nice capper and then we'll do our secular oh, okay prayer. all right um it's another segment on the show uh where you know we we get into some some heavy topics mm. here but we like to um finish with something positive that happened we saw something that gave us a little boost and made us think you know what it's all gonna be all right um do you have one sean uh, no, it's been a pretty bad week. I actually don't. I don't have one. My God. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, I've got one. Um, Share it. I need it. My, uh, This happened just last night. Um, I got a little alert on my phone that somebody had tagged me in a post on Facebook. And it was my cousin Jennifer. And she had just, it was like one sentence just saying how proud of me she was. And, and it, like just... Oh. It, it was really sweet and lovely. And Jennifer, um, like, there were four kids in my family, um, four kids in my Uncle Lee's family, and we all mm-hmm. grew up together. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer was the other artist weirdo, but she was older than me, so she sort of paved the way. Nice. So I've always looked up to this woman my whole life. And so her just going out of her way to say something nice for seemingly no reason kind of made me very happy. 
for a moment. That is very and nice. that reminds me, like, uh, when I mentioned my sister earlier in the piano, mm-hmm. like, we have put that to bed. <laughs> like, we're in a good place now, and she's a very sweet person. And she actually, I'm in a show tonight, and at I've QED? shared that information. At QED. Uh, and I... <laughs> I shared that information, and then she shared it on her Facebook wall and said, my sister, oh. and just did that, like, out of nowhere for her friends, you know, <laughs> in Mississippi, and it was just really sweet, you know. That's she's nice. Just showing that pride in me mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah. Like, a lot of our childhood stuff is behind us, like, That's for good. all the siblings, yeah. and we still do get together. Like, that was something... Daddy wrote in the will, like, divide everything by four and don't fight over anything. Uh, (laughs) That's as far as it goes. But in paragraph form and longer, you know. (laughs) Until it was cut off. So. Um, I love that. You know what? Listen, the Patriots won. I know a lot of people hate Tom Brady. And I I have a lot of frustrations with him for for his insane political views. Uh, But uh, the Patriots won. And I'll I'll say that's my recent, fairly recent happy... You were very happy when that happened. I was very happy. Yeah. I, uh, I I put a curse on several of the uh, the 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 players, <laughs> and uh, it it was a little eerie. Yeah, he he was knocking people off on the other. It was team. yeah. Was I was like, I called out. I said number ten, uh, <laughs> and then number seven and three both got hurt. And then I called out another number, and I forget that he got pulled. And then I did it again, and it happened again. It happened three times in a row. I have. Dark, terrible powers. Terrible dark powers that I'm coming to grips with, but I'm happy to have wow. these powers, and I will be using them against my enemies. And <laughs> so I'm com- a, by the way, that's I'm com- a full time job. I am yeah. compiling a list of enemies. <laughs> so if you would like to be on that list of enemies, what kind of a sociopath has a Thank list you for, of enemies? Thank Is it you like for, an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a positive note to end on. Yeah. Sean's enemies Excel list. Um, what a great a job that would be. Yeah, we need an intern to compile a list of enemies for me. Just add names. I don't really have any, but I kind of want some. So, Well, and we, we shall close this episode out with our secular prayer. Thank you so much, thank you, Sharon, Sharon, for being here. Follow at me. Sharon Spell on Twitter. And thank you to our producer, Megan. Thank, thank you, you so Megan. much, Megan. And uh, we'll do this. Right. Our fellow humans who are here and now. Hallowed be thy consciousness. Thy kingdom floats. In a universe so vast, it's like totally bananas, man. Therefore, be kind to each other. And don't eat so much bread. Ask forgiveness of your trespasses. And forgive those who trespass against you. Because all of us can be really fucking annoying. For thou art the mind inside thine stupid human suit. The only one of its kind. We are thus also. And that must simply be enough. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Thank Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Carol. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.